So I want you to follow in your Bibles in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. He says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and your hands have handled concerning the word of life. I love it when John comes into the letter and he combines two things from the gospel. In the, in the gospel, if you read the gospel according to John, you read in John chapter 1 verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That word there is logos, it means it's the written word, it refers to Jesus Christ. And then if you go down to verse 4, he says, In Him was life, and that life was the light to all men. And here brilliantly, John comes and he says, I'm telling you and I'm talking to you concerning the word of life. I love that title. That's a beautiful title of Jesus, isn't it? He is the word of life in your life. If everything looks dark in your life, if everything looks mochatrocha, that's a South African word for done and dusted with, if everything looks like that this morning for you, He is the word that will bring life into your life. So the first thing that he's going to do, he's going to bring life into your soul. That is called eternal life. He's going, to, he's going to bring that light into a darkened heart. Then he says in verse 2, he says, the life. He's talking about a word of life and then he says, the life was manifested. Everybody say manifested. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. Everybody say manifested. Twice he repeats that word there. It's so powerful. This is one of the most powerful passages, although the whole Bible is powerful, which is so resonating to our lives. It is so, if you just read this one passage, and you take this passage and start meditating on it, and studying it thoroughly, it will bless your heart to, to, to the content. There is so much there, and we've unpacked a few times that passage. Now it says in verse 3, that which we have seen, which we have heard, we declare now to you. First of all, it was manifested to them, and now they declare it. You see, Paul says at one stage, that which has been given to me, I give to you. Let it be known that if you haven't got Christ, you can't share Christ. He says this life, if you haven't got this life, you can't share it, because you haven't got it. You can't share something you haven't got. He says, now we declare to you that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So how is it then that Christians sit not with the joy of the Lord in their hearts? How is it then that if you come, uh, if you greet Christians and you say, how are you, how are you, how is things going with you? Oh, not too bad. How is it that your whole framework is, is, is around bad, is, a, is around sadness? And, and look, these things happen in your life. I get that. But in the most turmoil times of your life, there's got to be joy. How is it then that there's no joy? Let's thank the Lord for the public reading of His Word. Father, I thank You so much for Your Word today. 
And Father, even if I stop now, close my Bible, my laptop, whatever, Father, and I get in my car and I go home, I would be satisfied that your word has been read in public. It is still powerful, Lord. It's still living. And Father, it comes straight from you. And Father, I also thank you that this word today will not go out and return back void, but it will accomplish everything that today it's been purposed for in Jesus' name. I pray now, Lord, that you cover me under your blood, Father, under the shadow of the Most High. In Jesus' name, amen. I was walking on the street in Frankston uh, a few Fridays ago, and uh, we have these little tracks on them. It says Christmas. You've seen it, it's at the front there. And uh, I walked up to this fellow and I wanted to give him this tract and uh, he looked at it. I said, here, here is something about Christmas for you. And he goes, I don't believe in Christmas, it's a pagan thing. And he walked off. And I wanted to stop him. I, I said to him actually, as he walked off, I said to him, you are absolutely right, but let me talk to you. But he was so, you know, he just threw those words at me and he took off. He goes, it's a pagan thing. And let me sell you, and, and I just want to say right now, if I'm going to offend you what I'm saying in the next five minutes, then you need to be offended. Because you need to hear the truth. Because Christmas is a pagan thing. Now, this is not one of those sermons that I'm going to pull you know, Christmas apart. Don't worry, don't run for the door, but listen me out. It is a pagan thing. He was right. I wanted him to stop. Desperately wanted him to stop. Because I wanted to talk to him about what he just said, which was so true. But then I wanted to add on to that. I don't want to talk to you about Christmas. You're right. But there is something that did happen, which is really real. And that is that the Son of God did come to this world. He did walk on this earth. He was born in a manger. And you know what? He grew up as a carpenter. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. He started his earthly ministry and you know what happens? He then died because people didn't want to hear that message. They took him to a cross which is really cruel that you didn't want to go to and you know what? He died and the Bible says that three days later he was risen from the grave. 500 people saw him and you know what happened? He then came to his disciples. He said, I will empower you with the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit and you know what happened? He ascended on high when he sits at the right hand of the Father and he intercedes for you and for me. You just don't know him yet but one day you will. Yes, let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Because that is the gospel. That is the story that I wanted to say to him. But you see, it's a pagan thing. We don't want to hear anything about it. But I will use that pagan thing now to proclaim the gospel. I will use it. Now that upsets half of the church and then it upsets the other half of the church. So I'm in a good place. I hope there's somewhere in the middle who just still likes me. <laughs> So it, it comes to the question, what is Christmas then really about? What is it about? What is Christmas going on about? And, you know, I must admit to you, I'm going to be honest to you, it's one of the greatest times to walk through a mall. It's the most wonderful time of the year. <laughs> you hear all these songs, isn't it? It's starting to look a lot like Christmas everywhere we go. You know, walking through the malls, you see people are excited. They are spending too much money on stuff they don't need. <laughs> they buy presents to people who won't actually use the presents. 
You see these little grandchildren at Christmas? Whew. Man, they've got too many. I said to Leone one day, I said, <laughs> they got 10, 20 Christmas gifts that comes to them and they only play with one and the rest is just going into storage. But it's a great time, you know. It's really, you see people around and you see so happy faces and, and people are just, there's a sk- hop and a skip and a step of people. Have you seen it? And, and I'm really honest. I walk through these and these, it's a change. It's just a change of things. But then... Then I speak to somebody and they say it's, it's really an awful time of the year for them because it's also a lonely time. And then I'm very, very careful how I want to go through and address people with that. Yesterday we spoke to our, our senior people and uh, I talked about the topic about loneliness. It's one of the most loneliest times of the year. So we can sing that, so we can change the words of that song. It's the most loneliness time of the year. So what is Christmas about, you know? What is it all about? What is the encouragement? Yeah, for some people it is the baby, Jesus, you know, the baby in the manger. And, and I said it to Leonie this morning, it's, it's absolutely, you want to ask me why it's a pagan, uh, a pagan thing? It, 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 Jesus wasn't born on the 25th of December. And the only reason why it became Christ Mass, which is actually a Roman Catholic saying a Christ and a Mass, Christ Mass, and these two come together and it was adopted by the world and it, it actually coincided with, um, with the winter solace, solstice, let me say my words right, uh, or Satanius, which is they are worshipping the sun god and all of these things. So I'm so sorry if I've really broke Christmas for you, okay? When, when you first heard that Santa Claus is not really Santa Claus. <laughs> but it is true. But what is it, you know? Is it about presents? Is it about holiday? Is it about the baby? I, this is what I would say to Leonie, uh, even the, yesterday or this morning sometime, I said, you know, it's the, it's the real most interesting time of the year when everybody this time comes around and it's Christmas and what do we see? We see the nativity scene and we see the photos of G- baby Jesus. We see all these photos of baby Jesus coming out. Uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 50 and 6 years old. Now everybody knows my age. And I'm going to turn 50 and 7. And it's not as if my birthday comes around. I'm walking around with my phone and, hey, look, look at me when I was a baby. <laughs> do you do that? <laughs> hey, this is me. as a Look at the chubby cheeks. Goody, goody, goody. <laughs> it would be weird, wouldn't it? Would it? Oh, maybe there is somebody in church who's doing it. <laughs> I'm really in trouble now, Jan. There's maybe somebody in church who's doing it. If I offend you with that, please forgive me this time. But it comes down to the point that, you know, we, we follow all of these trends going on and we lose the focus of Christmas. And, you know, there's a lot of people who say Jesus is the reason for the season. Have you seen this? And this is what people go around and say, Jesus is the reason for the season. And and I want to ask the question, what reason? And what season? If Jesus is the reason for the season, what reason is it? What is Jesus to you? What is Jesus to you this time? You go and talk to people who's lonely and you say, Jesus is the reason for the season. He doesn't help them. He does not help them. And I ask the question, what is the reason He is that for you in this season? And what season is it about? 
You see, I don't need to wait until December to see that Jesus is the reason in my life. He's the reason in my life every single day. Some people only go to church on Christmas because He's the reason for the season. That's not what He's to me. He's way more than that. And this is why I wanted to talk about, and the Lord laid upon my heart for our church to hear this today, that He is more than a baby. Is more. There's some people who are still worshiping Jesus hanging on the cross. <laughs> now, I, I, if I offend you now, hold on. Because I don't serve Jesus hanging on the cross anymore. He is a risen Christ. The cross is only a sign of victory. Let's give the Lord a hand. Amen. Hallelujah. He's a risen Christ. And now, now I want to come back to our passage that we've read. He says, the word of life was manifested. I want to talk to you about that. I want to show you what, what John found, what the apostles found, what the disciples found about Jesus Christ. And then if you go into this Christmas season, let's call it Christmas season, whatever you want to call it. Some people call it Xmas, whatever. You know, I'm just saying, whenever you go into this festive season, remember what was manifested. It's not a baby in a manger. I, I, I preached a sermon once where I took people through how people saw Jesus. The, the shepherd saw a baby. Yes? And the disciples saw a man. And the people around the cross saw a man on a cross. And then those after the resurrection saw him as he is. And guess how you and I are going to see him? Not as a baby. You're not going to see him with the blood on the cross. You're going to see him what Revelation explains him. You're going to see his fiery eyes. If you want to know, Jesus is not like in the books anymore with his round hair and his, his darker skin color, my sister, because he's not from South Africa or from whatever, you know, Germany, my mixed blood or Italian. No, no, you, he's not like that. If you, want to, if you want to see whom you're going to see when he's going to come and get you or when you're going to get raptured, go and read Revelation chapter 1. Because every, listen to me, and for people online, every single person in this place, and even if you do not believe in Jesus Christ, you will be looking into those fiery eyes. You will be. Whether you like it or not. So, the word manifested. You see, like I say, some people still see Jesus as the little baby. That little baby was manifested, but he was not manifested in the way that we need to see him manifested like John was talking. Only the shepherd saw him. He was a beautiful baby. And you know what happens? I read in this in Luke. I read, read there in Luke chapter 2 about the baby and then he disappears. He disappears. You don't read about the baby anymore, do you? He's gone. You don't read about Jesus. And let me also say, these books who proclaim that Jesus was, as a young boy, you know, miracle on a little bird who died. I've actually read this in a book. There was this little bird who died, and Jesus was around about 10 years old, and he felt so sorry for the bird, and then he raised the bird up so that the bird could fly. That is blasphemy. You do not know your Bible. And you keep on spreading that blasphemy, you will stand before the Creator of the universe. And give an account for that. He disappears. He's a normal little boy who grows up in his father's house. The only time that we hear about him is again when? When he's 12 years old. Where do they go? They go to the temple. 
And then he stays behind, and they were so... F- they, the, the Pharisees went, where did this boy get all of this knowledge? And, you know, uh, Joseph and Mary went back, found him, and they said, where were you, you know? We, and he says, why? What have you got to with me? I'm busy with my father's work. But they didn't know, and they kept it in their hearts. And then he disappears. He disappears. Jesus is gone. He's learning the trait of being a carpenter with his father in the tool shed, like a normal person. Until, until he appears when he's 33 years old. Now, let me say to you, baby Jesus, John wasn't there. I read about thee. Who was there when he was a baby Jesus? The shepherds, not the magi. Don't be confused now. The magi wasn't there when he was a baby. They came later on when he was a little child running around in the house. So the nativity scene is wrong. The Magi didn't come with the gifts with him when he was a baby. He was already two years old when they came. But John didn't see him here. This is not what John talks when he talks about manifested. That's not that. That's not the manifested. It was only when it happened, when he was 33 years old, something beautiful happened. And there's people who witnessed this. John the Baptist to my brother said, Behold the Lamb of God, who will take away the sin of the world, was told to Mary. But he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And then he went into the water and got baptized. And what happened? What happened? He came out. But there's something that happened. The Holy Spirit, it it looks as if the heaven was tended open. I can't imagine it. I can't. My My brain is too small to comprehend what they saw. For some people it would have been, I don't know. But it wasn't a dove, by the way. It was like a dove. The Holy Spirit came on him. But that is okay. I mean, that is good. But then something happened more. God said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And immediately his ministry started and manifestations started to come. I'll show you that manifestation. Yes, it was there when he was a baby. Yes, it was there when he was 12 years old, but the manifestation started. Why? Because then he walked around and he started calling his disciples. He says, follow me. Follow me. And this is what John now says. We've heard him speak. We looked at him. We studied him. We had a body. He had a body like ours. I am convinced He is the Word of Life. In fact, this life was manifested by the Father. You say, where do you get this translation? Well, that's my translation. The John Shipman translation of it, okay? (laughs) But that's what He said. That is what He said to the people. That's what He was writing down, John. This is what He's writing down for Karim Downs. For Maranatha Church here and for our churches. He says, man, we saw Jesus. He was manifested to us. But you see still, brothers and sisters, dear friend, people only will see the person, but there was much more. Like people want to see the baby today. There was much more. And I want to unpack this word for a few moments with you, manifest. It comes from the Greek word phanareo. It means to make something visible, to make something physically real. It becomes clear and obvious to the mind and I would also say to the eye gate. Now when he was a small little baby, it was hidden. 
They also only saw a little baby. When he was 12 years old, he himself said to them, I'm busy with my father's work, but they couldn't understand this. But it only came to the point when he was 33 years old and he had the Holy Spirit descended upon him. His ministry started that these manifestations, which I'm going to show you now, started to become evident and clear to all of us. And for you. It is so beautiful. Now let's look at this. He says at the, in, in 1 John chapter 1 verse 14, And the Word became flesh. This is just emphasizing what he's saying now. And, and, and the flesh dwelt amongst us, and we beheld the glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. I love this, full of grace. For by grace we have been saved through faith, not, that, not, on that, not of ourselves. Whose grace was it? It's God's grace. And it came via Jesus. And full of truth. So what was manifested? John gives us four ways that Christ was manifested. Four ways. There's four things that was manifested to us in this first letter. First of all, life was manifested. And that is eternal life. He says it right there in verse 2. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What life is he talking about there? If he says life was manifested. It's not just because God became man. That's the baby Jesus. That's the promise to, to Mary. Mary you will have a son. It will be the Son of God. The virgin will have a baby. The prophets prophesied about that. But there's more. There's more that is behind this word life here. What is this life? It is eternal life. It's the life, brothers and sisters, that you and I are seeking after and we have. John chapter 1 verse 40 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Brothers and sisters, you say to me this morning, some of you may say, look, I don't need that light. And I want to say to you, yes, you do. You say to me, but I'm an atheist, I don't need to see that. And I want to say to you, yes, you do. You need that light. You say to me, there is no point in time that I'm going to have a need for the life. And I'm going to say, yes, you will. You just wait and see. When you come to the end of your life and your light become dark in your life, you're going to need a light. And He is that light. And whether you want Him to shine or not, He is shining. And the only thing is, you are keeping your darkness closed. He will open it up and He will shine it in. You see, it is so beautiful if we go back into the Bible and we see this light that was manifested was needed in our time. We needed this light. In Isaiah chapter 9 verse 1, he says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. Now listen. And when the first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Look at these two names here. Remember them. Zebulun and Naphtali. And afterward, more heavily oppressed her, now, obviously, it's in context in Isaiah, but there's a prophecy lying here which I'm going to show you. And look at this, by the way of the sea. The Bible is so meticulously right. Beyond the Jordan, 
in the Galilee of the Gentiles. Everybody say Gentiles. Can all the Gentiles put up their hands? Only one person can't put up a hand now. If you've got Jewish blood, then you don't put up your hand. Because we're talking Old Testament here, yeah? He says the Galilee of the Gentiles. This is so beautiful. When I read this, I contemplate and I meditate upon it and I can't thank the Lord enough for that line. Sitting here and standing here. I can't thank the Lord enough for that line. Do you read the Bible like that? Can you see that? I'm going to show you this. Well, the Holy Spirit will. The people who walked in darkness. Everybody say walked in darkness. The people who walked in darkness. Let me just go one back. In Him was life and the life was the light. Everybody say light. There is this thing between darkness and light. And it's not like, what is this movie, um, Star Wars, where it is the force. No, no. There's a total difference here between this. He says it here, there was life and it was light of men. Look at this. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Hallelujah. Come on, do it with me. Just let's give the Lord a hand that He's the great light. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I am telling you, who hear me whenever you hear this message, if you haven't seen the light, He's there. He's waiting for you. He will shine into your darkened life. They've seen the great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death. Upon them a light is shine. You say to me, how does the Old Testament fit to the New Testament? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1. He says, you who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Where did you walk when you walk? Listen to me. If you haven't come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, you're a dead man walking. They walk in the shadow of this upon them a light to shine. We fast forward quickly. Why did the light come? Because it was needed. Uh, it was manifested the light is eternal life. Matthew 4.13 And leaving Nazareth, Jesus now. Look at this. This is so beautiful. After he was baptized. Leaving Nazareth, he came to dwell in Capernaum by the sea. By the sea. He says the way of the sea, the prophecies say. He came by the sea. You see, there was in a spiritual darkness all of those places. Sin was so oppressing upon them. Sin was really on them. And there was darkness by the sea. Uh, I remember in South Africa, we went to Durban from, from, uh, from Johannesburg. And there's a song whenever we come down there. Let's go to Durban by the sea. Where there's lots of fun for you and me. Let's go to Durban. Let's go to Durban. This wasn't Durban by the sea where there's lots of fun. These people by the sea were in oppression of sin, of darkness. And he says it right here. He says he came to, he came to this place in the regions of what? Zebulun and Naphtali. What is those two places? He first came to his own, but they rejected him. They rejected him. And then, he says that it might be fulfilled what was spoken of the Isaiah prophet. What was spoken? Isaiah chapter 9. That a great light will come upon them. He says it in verse 17. From that time Jesus began to preach to say, Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Can you see why there was a need for the light? And, and John says now, He was manifested to us. John 17 verse 3, if you ever wondered what eternal life is. What is eternal life? 
You know, some people say, oh, it's to live forever. Yes, if you're in Christ. Time will stop and be no more. And you will live, not forever, for there's just no more time. We can't, there's no language that we can use to say for how long we're going to live. It's just going to be. Time will stop. What's makers is out of business. There's no time. It's God. And look at this now. And this is eternal life. What? That they may know. Everybody say no. That they may know you. Do you know him? Come on, my friend. Be honest this morning. Or have you only heard about him? Do you only hear about him every Sunday when you come here? Do you really know him? Because this is the critical part of it. Because if you do not know him, my friend, it says there in John chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, you're condemned already. Because you haven't believed in the, in, 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 in the Son of God, in the name of the Son of God. Here it is, he says, that you may know him, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. In 1 John chapter 3, look at this now. So the first manifestation was the manifestation of life. This is what he manifested to John. This is what John writes about. This is what I want to preach to you. I don't want to preach to you a Christmas story about a baby in a manger. I want to preach to you about a Savior who came as the light into the world. I want to preach to you about a Savior that that light becomes eternal life for you. That you may live with Him to eternity. That's a manifestation. Have you seen it different now? But there's more. Let's look at this one. 1 John chapter 3. Only in the letters of John where he uses the word manifest. Fanaru. 1 John chapter 3 verse 5. And you know that He was manifested. Everybody say manifested. That's our word there. That's our word. To take away our sins. And in Him there is no sin. So what is manifested here? Forgiveness was manifested here to you and me. Can you see it's more than a baby in a manger? Forgiveness was manifested. What did John see? What did John see? What did, what did all of those others see? Can you see it today? Can you see that He manifests to you sitting here today? Forgiveness. I thank the Lord for forgiveness. I wouldn't be standing here right here. You don't know me when I was a young man. My beautiful wife only know me a short time. A short time of my young life. But I was a rubbish man. Is that an English word? Rubbish. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you, Lenny. You've added to the sermon. No, I'm telling you right now that if there was not the forgiveness of Christ, where would I have been without the Lord? Where would you have been? Forgiveness. This is what He manifested. He came to think that God sent His Son to come and manifest, manifest to you and me His forgiveness was manifest. This is what John writes. I saw it with my own eyes. Remember, he heard it, he saw it, he, he studied his life. He says, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. Praise the Lord. He went to the cross. It's written. He went to the cross for your sin so that you and I can have forgiveness. Romans chapter 5 verse 8, he says, but God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you grateful for that? Don't you, why don't you just now thank the Lord for that? Yes, thank the Lord for that. Just where you are, just thank the Lord. 
He did that for you so that we don't have to do it. We don't have to do it, brothers and sisters. That was manifested for us. Let's, and, and by the way, I've got so many scripture verses. I had to sit there over the last two days and just eliminate, eliminate, eliminate. Take scripture verses away. The Bible is full of this point of forgiveness. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, he says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, a lot of people just stop the verse right there. He will forgive us our sins. And they don't read the rest. He says to cleanse us from unrighteousness. Unrighteousness is your lifestyle. Um, it's your lifestyle. It's your way of living. It's how you live your everyday life. Let me just say, if you come to Christ and proclaim to be a blood was born child of God, you cannot walk in the old way anymore. You cannot. You have to start reading the Bible and you have to start obeying the Bible to, to change your unrighteous life into righteousness. Yes, listen to me. He places His righteousness inside of you, but still you've got some discipline that you need to do, brother and sister. You need to watch your thoughts. For immoral thoughts will lead to immoral actions and immoral actions will lead to immoral habits. And, if, and, and you know, we find you, we, we catch you, you come to me and you say, Preacher, I need some counseling, I can't get over this habit. But you come to me, only once it's a habit, it's much more difficult to walk it back. And then you need the Holy Spirit to help you with that. And you need the Holy Spirit always to help you with that. But here is the good news, brothers and sisters. He came and He was manifested to do what? To take our sins away. Hallelujah. Praise His name. But there's more. There's always more. 1 John chapter 3 verse 5. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Everybody say manifest. There's our word again. You see, it's much more than a baby, isn't it? Well, it's much more than a baby in a manger. He says he was manifested. For what? Why was he manifested? What did you see, John? That he might destroy the works of the devil. Amen. Who destroyed it? He did. He did. He's the one who destroyed. You see, listen to me now. For, for those who are, who are into all of these spiritual warfare, listen to me clearly now. I don't have to battle the devil. I don't have to fight him. The victory is done. He's a losing for. Oh, wait a minute. The Bible talks about him walking around as a roaring lion and going to destroy. That is correct. But the Bible tells me to stand fast. To stand fast. And to proclaim the gospel. And to baptize. And to make disciples. If the Lord has called you and you feel so in your heart to do that, God bless your heart. But I'm just telling you what I'm seeing here. He, what is manifested here in Christ? Victory was manifested. Victory was manifested. I've heard somebody during the week, I've, I've a short clip of a man, a South African man, a black South African man, Kara. <laughs> a beautiful brother of mine because he's in the Lord, man. And, and, he, and he said, he heard the sermon of a preacher. He says, we are not fighting for victory. We are standing from victory. Amen. How wonderful is that, Braun? 
You don't have to fight. And, you know, I get people, they say, I've, I've had a man in New Zealand once, you know, he came into the church, he was so excited, and by the third Sunday he came to me and he opened up a little bit more. You know, when you're first in, you're a little bit shy, you don't talk by the third, fourth Sunday. He comes and says, man, I can't wait to come back with Jesus Christ in Revelation 19. I say, yeah, what's going to happen? He says, man, I'm going to have my sword and I'm going to fight with him. And I say, man, I only read about one sword, and it's coming out of the mouth of Jesus, and it's the wrong fire sword. David, it's the wrong fire sword, my brother. I said, what you need in your life is the Micaiah sword. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 4, the, the small one that he cuts your heart with, yeah? But you see, victory was manifested. He is defeated, the devil, and he knows it. He knows it. And what he's trying in your life is to destroy your life. That's what he's trying to do. Hey, Peter, Peter, the, the devil asked for you to sift you. But I'm praying for you. How wonderful is that? How wonderful is that? So uh, let me give you one more because there's four manifestations. And this is the last one. Amen, I'm still in good time. 1 John chapter 4 verse 9. I, and, and I absolutely love it. Look how, look how the salvation plan is laid out for you this morning. Have you seen that? Have you noticed it in the manifestations? He says it in here. He says, in this is the love of God manifested. Everybody say manifest. So in other words, he, he shows it now to you and me. He says it was manifested towards us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. That we may live through Him. We live through Christ. In this, there's a whole message around that. In this is love. That not that we have loved God, but He loved us and sent His Son to be the appropriation for our sin. Have you noticed the tenses in the Bible? What tense is that? Love is past tense. Yeah? Have you noticed that? He loved us. Does it mean that he doesn't love us anymore? <laughs> no, he still loves us. But the reason why this is in the past tense, because there is a certain time in history that you and I can point back towards. What is that time? It is the cross of Christ. It's the cross, it's the ultimate. Listen to me. What's the definition of lust? Lust. I'm not talking about sexual lust. Just natural lust. It is to satisfy me at your expense. And this is what we're living in. In churches, everywhere. You see people, you know, <laughs> it's just as you sit around somebody and you eat, you know, at, at dinner and, or something, and the chickens come out, and you see the chicken legs. You know, what do you call it? Drumsticks. Okay, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Hunerboki. Okay, South African for drumstick. Hunerboki. Don't try to work that one out. But it comes out and uh, you can see there's a bigger one than the other one. I don't know if it's the same chicken or two different chickens. <laughs> but anyway, it comes out like that. What naturally happened with people? You go for the bigger one. <laughs> yeah, go for the big one. Satisfy me at this, your expense. You see that? That's what lust do. And that's what we are. We, are. we want to look after ourselves. But what is love? The definition of love is to satisfy others at the expense of self. And this is what he shows us here. God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. Are you there? Are you there? 
What was manifested here? Love was manifested. The most beautiful love that you and I will ever know. The love that keeps us together here today. I mean, you can look at me. I've used that word rubbish, you know. You look at some people and you say, man, you were an absolutely failure in life. But the Lord grabbed a hold of you, man. The Lord take, I've, I've seen a man in New Zealand. We saw a man, he was into drugs. He started coming to church and he had a lot of questions. He, uh, he really, he, he tapped my energy. I can tell you that we're sitting down and talk and I thought, Lord, it's hopeless. I'm honest to you. I sit there and I said, Lord, if you can't. But he kept on coming. And when the first Sunday when he walked into the church, you could look at him. People didn't want to go close. He was just, you know, he had piercings all over and, and, and I, whatever. But Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, the Lord started cleaning him up from the inside. And you see what happens on the inside started manifest on the outside. And you look at that boy later and you go, wow, I couldn't believe this. Hey? I could not believe this. Drugs is gone. Clean. You see, he, he manifested his love towards us in that beautiful way. Finally, brothers and sisters, now, don't read anything in my word finally there, okay? I just want to say, I just, when I sat there, I said, finally, okay? There's so many scripture verses, but finally, this is a mystery for, for many, for many. It's a mystery. It's a mystery for the people who drive past this place on every Sunday. You know, I, I had somebody say to me recently, I can't understand. They've got so many funerals on a Sunday there at Bethel. <laughs> and they are right because this is where we come and we deal with the old man <laughs> um, Colossians chapter 1 verse 24 and now I rejoice in my sufferings this is Paul writing here for you and fill up in my flesh you see before I read it on what was manifested to John, was manifested to Peter, was manifested to Bartholomew, was manifested, that, but that's an interesting name, was manifested to all of them, and it was manifested to, to Paul himself. That's why Paul can write down to you the following words, because he understood the manifestation of Christ, the real Christ, not only the baby in the manger. Are you telling me it wasn't really Jesus in the, yes, it was the baby, but he grew up. Because he had the work to do. And that work is that he came into this world to save sinners. And he did that work. In, 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 that, in that prayer in John chapter 17, Jesus prays this. He says, Father, the work that you've sent me to do, I've done it. What catches me about that, what really talks to my heart about that, is that he said those words before he went to the cross. So that means that there was nothing that was going to keep him away from the cross. And, and here Paul can now write this. And hope. My prayer is that you can grab this and receive this. He says, he says, and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. The church. And now he says, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. He's talking about the body, the church. Now he says, the mystery I've given you the manifestations of Christ. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations. But, Brother Glenn, sharp contrast, my brother. But now, but now has been revealed to his saints. That word there, guess what Greek word it is? Phanareo. 
It's the same word that I just showed you, manifested. What was manifested? Let me tell you. This sitting here today, we've got one Jewish blood in our midst. My, my dear sister, the rest of us are Gentiles. He came and he manifested to us what? Eternal life. Didn't he do that? Did you accept that life? Is that life living in you? Forgiveness of sin. Has he forgiven your sin? And he's bringing now together Jew and Gentile. And that's the mystery. How beautiful that we can sit here and we can partake of the same life and the love in Jesus' name. Now, let me finish off with this. I'm not going to ask permission. I'm just going to do it. Because there might be people online, there might be people in here who's been touched by the Holy Spirit. How do I come to this light? This is the ABC of being born again. If you sit here and you, you say, I, I, I've never come to the point of being born again preacher. How do I get there? First of all, if you want to talk, I'm open. I can talk to you. There's brothers and sisters in this church who can lead you. But first you admit you're a sinner. You admit you're a sinner. You will not accept and come to Christ if you don't admit you're a sinner. Don't believe the social preaching that's going on these days where, oh, it's just a nice feeling that came over you. Come in and, you know, we worship Kumbaya together and, and now you can, hey, if you come five times to our church, you, no, no, it's not that. You come to the point where you say, I'm a sinner, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The glory of God is the standard and we all fall short of that. You admit a sinner, then you admit that you need a savior. And that Savior come, that you believe in your heart, Jesus Christ is your Savior, and died for your sins. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Everybody in this room, I've read the book, I've got good news, and for some maybe not so good news, we all are going to die. We all are going to die. There's no, there's no Savior that's going to take you out of this and you don't die. We all are going to die. And then after you die, judgment. There's a wage to be paid. There's consequences for your life. The Bible says this, not me. It says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, hallelujah, is eternal life, which I just talked to you about in Christ our Lord. Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will have be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made. You confess your sin. Let me also say, when you confess your sin, you don't confess your sin to man. Because you haven't sinned to man. You might have done man in through your sin. You have upset people through your sin. That is true. And you need to do restitution as the Holy Spirit leads you. But you sinned against God. And you come to God and you confess your sin to Him alone. If that is you this morning, I don't need you to come out and profess in front of people. That will happen in this time. If there's somebody listening online in the next 24 hours, I want to pray to you. I want to ask the Holy Spirit to reach you in your home where you are sitting. And if you know about somebody who needs this, send this to him so that the, the Word of God can reach their heart in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you so much for your Word this morning. Yes, Lord, we thank you, Lord, that Jesus was born as a baby for us. And it is the fulfillment of so many prophecies in the Old Testament. And it is the word to Mary. And we thank you, Lord, that that is true. And I'm holding on to that. But it's much more. It is Jesus Christ who died for us, was risen and sat at your right hand. 
And Father, today we can learn from the manifestation that while he was here ministering on the earth from 33 years old, Father, that we can be benefactors of all of the manifestations that is given to us. And Father, I thank you so much because nothing of that is out of our good will, our good works, or any one of our efforts that we've done. But it's all by grace and by your mercy that we sit here today and we can receive this with the love of God. So Father, I do want to pray for people who have been touched by this message that your spirit will go with them, Father, and deal with their hearts in your way, in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the word of the Lord today. Amen.